So welcome to the show. I'm David Speed. I'm Adam Brazier. And this is Creative Rebels. Uh, it's a podcast for creative entrepreneurs. We started our first company, Graffiti Life, in a small garage. Yeah, it wasn't easy. But we built the company up to the stage where now we're regularly working with brands like Disney and Nike. And we've been lucky enough to make art all over the world. On this podcast, we interview successful creators. Their advice will enable you to take action and turn your passion into a career. There's literally been no better time in history to make a career from being creative. So many people are going to tell you that you can't do it, but we're here to tell you that you definitely can. Right, let's do a podcast. Welcome back, Rebels. Howdy doody. That was an interesting hello over there. It's never going to get easier than that, is it? Yeah, we struggle every week with these intros. Just how to say hello is always the hardest part. Yeah, the rest of it is fine. It's just literally how to start. <laughs> It's weird. Maybe if I just said hello to you every time, then that would be easier. Hello, Adam. Hello, David. This week, we're going to talk about discipline because it's something that's coming up quite a few times. So although that's not been directly asked um, through the DMs we've been getting this week on Instagram, at Rebels Create, it is something that basically when you boil the questions down, it's like, you've got to work on your discipline yeah. is what we've kind of come to. Yeah, I think a lot of people we've interviewed as well have mentioned their discipline and we've talked to them about discipline. I think it's never something that we've really touched upon what we do or what our opinions are on it. Yeah, and I think now we're definitely in a different place because we've got like we've got our companies and members of staff that work for us and it kind of, it, like this is a job now. It's like I think we, a, we've got a routine now. It's more of yeah. like a set. Yeah, we've, we work between these hours. We have office hours, I suppose. Yeah. So we're in the office between 10 and 6 generally. Yeah. But I can definitely relate to the freelancers because when we first started, we didn't have a place of work to go to and we were yeah. mostly working out of our bedrooms and a, a garage that we used to use when we could and, and just kind of, yeah, relying on our relying on ourselves really. Yeah, like, yeah, back in the day, I used to work from probably like... I'd probably get up at like half eight. Generally, as my girlfriend went to work, I'd get up and then start the day then because I was never, never big on early mornings, especially like coming out of uni. I used to always, always like a wake up at midday kind of person, go yeah, to bed same. at 4 a.m. Yeah, when you said eight o'clock, I was like, well, that's, that's pretty early. I mean, so we, we've even arranged our own company so that we start at 10 yeah. so that we don't have to get here super early. Well, uh, when I was at uni, that's what my course did. And I always thought it was absolutely brilliant because especially being hungover after a night out, everyone else has got lectures at 9am and then yours start at 10. It was always just just great. So I think, well, yeah, when we started, it just made so much sense. Also, you miss the rush hour, yeah. which in London is a nice thing to miss. Yeah, that's the, the thing when you're your own boss is like... <laughs> You can you can set your office hours to whatever times you want them. So take advantage of that. You're in charge. I guess the the thing that I find easiest in terms of keeping discipline is like coming away from the places where I relax mm-hmm. and chill out to the places that I associate with work. Because yeah. if I'm trying to do work in bed, then I'm not going to. I'm going to go on Netflix or have yeah. a nice sleep. In terms of just a good way to run your life having separate places to do separate things is really really important so if you've got the chance not to work in your bedroom don't work in your bedroom have that for sleep just keep that as a place that you can go get your head down and your body associates that place with sleep because back in the day when I used to work in my bedroom it was a really like it's a weird situation because you wake up later you and when you actually get to sleep all you're doing is thinking about work because you're in that zone where work happens 
So what I do at home is I've got a desk in the lounge space and that's where I'll get up in the morning at kind of like 7am or something and go and work there initially and have that as my work zone. And if I've got like videos to edit, any like photos to edit, that's where I'll do it from. I'll never do it from the bedroom. Yeah, it's um, it's the same for me, but I was talking to an artist recently and she can't afford a studio space and she her studio basically was was her bedroom and she was she's in a shared house and she's like i can't work anywhere else because my housemates are fucking noisy yeah so what i said to her was just like section off a part of your room definitely that's what i did when we first started the company and we basically like i was working in my bedroom i'd have different parts of the room that were different different things like so I had my bed in one part of the room and then a divider basically separating where my desk was. So it kind of felt like you had two rooms in one. And I think that's a really important thing to do, even if it's just get a bit of board or something to put next to your desk, just so you feel like that's that zone. And then you can come away from that to work somewhere else. What I always try and reconcile is the fact that what feels good is seldom like what's best for you. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in modern society, everything is structured against us because every single company is after our attention. And so they want to keep our attention for as long as possible. So every app that we use is designed to keep us on the app as long as possible. Netflix gives you five seconds to change your mind of <laughs> before you, you get into, a, into a black hole, especially if you've been left on a cliffhanger. Like It's so clever. And I know that, I know that like watching Netflix feels really good, but I also know that it doesn't forward me towards my goals. So it's always having that in the back of your head, like, yeah, you need to relax, but but like, I don't think people need to relax as much as they probably think that they do mm. or that as much as they're used to. And it's definitely with the guests that we've that we've had, they all have their own unique ways of doing it. But at the end of the day, they are all super driven and super disciplined and they've managed to cultivate that in themselves of when it's time to work or hit deadlines or... I suppose a lot of discipline comes from just like when you started something and it's going well, the fear that that could stop. So there's a discipline to kind of like keep going because if I stop doing this, it could end especially when it's a small company and one invoice not being paid on time could make make you not pay your rent that month. But then I also feel that if you, when you're comfortable, like being comfortable is, is almost worse. It's like a trap because you, you don't work as hard because you don't have to, because you know in the back of your mind that everything's taken care of. Mm. I think like when, when we were first starting, um, a mentor said to me that, that we weren't working like we were starving um, because we we all like you were living your with yeah. your girlfriend. I've moved back in with my mum and dad, um, and Yana was just she just about had enough money to to pay her rent, and so we were we were all okay. Like we weren't out on the streets, and because of that, we had that that kind of barrier of like, yeah, I'll, I'm always going to be fine. And I guess that that really lit a fire under me when he said that of you're not working like you're starving. And we, I really kind of took that to heart and, and okay, so what would I be doing if literally we, we wouldn't be able to eat unless we went out and found, found new jobs. And that's kind of, yeah, why we started like really, really hitting the pavement and speaking to every single person that we could. I think that's why, again, it's important to find something you love doing because I was talking to someone about this the other day where if you've got a business that you're starting it just to make money from, or you see, oh, there's an opportunity there. I'm just going to go and make money from it. When those times get hard, like 
what's going to drive you then? Like, if you can't do your work for fun, for nothing, what are you going to do when it's really hard? Discipline is so hard, but it it totally comes down to you. Um, we talk a lot in the podcast about like being your own boss and you have to treat yourself like an employee, I yeah. guess. Like literally be your own boss, write down your expectations for yourself. And if you don't meet those expectations, then I'm not going to say punish yourself, but but like have a have a look at why you didn't meet those expectations. What were you doing that was basically tearing you away from meeting those goals. Yeah, and I think if you achieve all of them as well, pat yourself on the back, be like, well done, I achieved this. Like, take the positives out of just completing your list or completing what you wanted to achieve from that day. And even, like, just timetabling stuff, like, block out time in your day to do stuff and treat, yeah, treat yourself like you're your own employee. If you were the first hire for your own company, what would you get that person to do and how would you get them to work? And yeah, how would what you would you expect, you expect them from them? Yeah, yeah. And someone who is their own boss is this week's guest. Alex Norris. Yeah, Alex Norris is an illustrator and a webcomic artist. Uh, We'll explain what webcomics are if you don't know. Their webcomic, which is imaginatively named Webcomic Name, has grown hugely popular online. We actually talk about how Alex's Instagram has gained 200,000 followers in just over six months, which is incredible. Alex has a really interesting business model. By giving away webcomic name for free online, they're able to build a following and monetize in a number of different ways from Patreon to merch. And we go into it all in detail. In this episode, we talk about webcomics, creativity, and making money online. I want to make the most of the internet while you are able to make money in a more easy way on the internet without being uh, constrained by like a sort of bigger system that's like editing you. Hello, Alex Norris. Hello. Thank you for coming on our podcast. Uh, No worries. (laughs) Lovely to be here. I I really um, debated about whether I should go... It's Alex Norris. Oh no. (laughs) But I'm sure that's been done a million times. So I was like... (laughs) Are you sick of that? Well, I I find it funny. Yes, is the answer. (laughs) But I... um, Then that becomes my own kind of, oh no. Whenever I get a bit annoyed by it, I just think that's funny that I've done this to myself. I think of it. I also think of it a bit like, you know, in Frankenstein, where Frankenstein makes this like monster that like haunts uh, his life. That's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yes. And it's almost like a, a band going on stage and being asked to do the hits. Yeah, it's like, yeah. that's that's the hits for you. But then, yeah. so no. but then the worst thing that I could do is, like, oh no is like a common phrase yeah. that I, most people use a lot of the time without realising. Uh, and so if I use the phrase, oh no, just in a conversation, especially at like, if I'm at a comic convention or doing a talk or something, uh, doing like a QA. and a and then I use it, everyone's like, oh, and I'm like, oh, I yeah, sound like it's, it's, one of those really could... awful people who uses their own catchphrase. Yeah, and it becomes like an actual catchphrase. Like imagine like a TV person who they're walking down the street and you hear like someone shout like, Dan, or something out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like, yeah. oh, you must be so sick of it. But I suppose because it's written, it's a very different kind of thing. Yes, and it's also, like it's it was started out as like a parody of catchphrases, but also... Anything that anything that negative that comes out of webcomic name is like built into it. So if I feel a bit annoyed by the fact that my catchphrase has become, you know, like uh, haunts my life a little bit, that's a no-no. 
that's fine. Like it's just, yeah. it's like kind of, yeah, all the negativity is like built into it, which I, uh, it can become like part of it, which I find really fun. So for people that don't know what webcomic name is, give it a, a like, because that's what you're most well known for. Yeah, so I do quite a lot of things, most known for webcomic name, uh, which is a webcomic. It's like a parody of kind of repetitive internet culture. It started out as a parody of uh, relatable comics, but now it's become one of them. And <laughs> uh, it always has the same format. So it always uh, it's always three panels and it always ends with oh no. And then I kind of just explore like how far you can go with that joke. And I've been doing it for about three years. How many have you got now? Uh, I'm not sure. I, I used to do, I don't count, I haven't been counting. Not as many as I would like because I've just been busy with lots of other things. But um uh, I was, when I started, I did five a week, like a daily strip, and I've just sort of slowed down as I've as it, basically as it's grown, yeah. I spend less time making comics, which is a sad thing. But I probably do about two a week at the moment. I don't know how many that is, but uh, a lot. And my plan is to do it for like uh, ten years, and then and then run it into the ground, <laughs> uh, in like sort of like the biggest, the big oh no, which is like grow it as big as possible and then like destroy it. Yeah, I mean it's already pretty big though, isn't it? Yeah, it's weird how it's took off but I also did plan that like I well plan it as much as you could do like I had been doing webcomics for a while before and then I kind of knew what made a good webcomic and a good bit of it like stuff on the internet and just landed on the oh no format in another thing because it started out as like a yeah like an April Fool's joke so every every um every cartoon ends with the line oh no and that's the punchline to every single mm-hmm. one that you do yeah and so it's just doing that it's just like really just like riffing on that uh, the whole time so I sorry because I cut you off I just wanted to get across mm-hmm. like like the actual format of it mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting that because um, they're all three panels and so you've already written the final panel so you only have two panels to play with to get yeah. to there so you that must force you to sort of be creative I guess yeah I, I love it because I've always been really focused on punchlines as cartoonists like who make kind of jokes or like joke writers often are you you are working towards a punchline thinking where that twist will come with that already built in it means that you can it's you work out the setup and then basically the setup becomes the thing that you're changing all the time rather than like punchline necessarily which yeah I love it's really fun it means that like you can I was like a really strong format uh this is just the what the one that I've landed on that works the best and for the longest amount of time because then if with this very strong format you can with the strong rules you can break those rules more in more creative ways and like bend the rules and yeah I, I love like figuring out different places to start from and also the because it always ends with oh no but the oh no can be end up being something there's something different types of the, mm-hmm. the way that it ends up which is, I, I never plan i never go oh i'd like to do an oh no that's like this you end up with like ones that are kind of ironic maybe going oh no but actually you know let's say they're like i have one which is a character who the the blob character wants to Go, out, go outside but instead they stay inside and they're like oh no and that's like ironic because they actually want to stay inside yeah. <laughs> and it's just but then it's fun it's like quite subtle getting that across it's just like a slight smile uh while they're in bed sometimes it's like really tragic like i've got one where it's in the uh, book i released recently which is just uh your pet dies oh no like but that's, that's basically <laughs> the comic of just like finding oh no's from different parts of life and that one's actually very sad or or it could even go even sadder with it but often it's just like that kind of pessimism that, that this happens in memes on the internet, which is like a kind of sort of self-aware pessimism of going like, oh, my life is awful. 
when probably it's fine, but also maybe yeah. it's not fine. Like there's that sort of thing is the main thing I play with a lot. Because you're not afraid to be mean to your characters, are you? No, I, uh, I do. Yeah, I like being mean to my characters. I think, <laughs> I think having a, having a, inventing a character and then putting them in a series that always ends with I know is, is just a mean thing to do. Mm. Um, and I've always loved to like, yeah, being mean to characters because it's, because uh, they, yeah, they're not, they're not real. Yeah, I suppose the other method that you've got to play with there as well is the title. So I've noticed that you can you can set the scene with the title and then that will give you more legs as you... Yes, yeah, so I got that format from um, Kate Beaton, who makes a webcomic called Hark of Agrant, um, that she doesn't make as many comics anymore, but she was... Uh, I read her, her webcomic a lot when I was like... Is in like 20... Uh, 2010 or something and I was like thinking about doing web comics and she just hasn't she's one of the most incredible web comic artists um, and she does these like historical kind of um, web comics like web comics on historical themes and then she'll have you know two characters that might be like she has one about medieval peasants or it'd be like you know sort of bratty princess or something and then um, she will just riff on that idea in three panel comics and then she'll always have titles that would be they'd be like an like an a, a sort of addendum to the punchline so but at the begin, but that's at the beginning of the comic so i always find that really interesting and the end was kind of like either like cyclical thing or um it can give context to it as well so it sometimes if if i've made a comic that isn't quite clear what the subject is i can just sort of say it in the title be like this is about you know uh anxiety or mm-hmm. uh you know like love or something and it's just very like if I have a metaphor and then have what it actually is about in the title so again it was just like from reading a lot of web comics I kind of worked out like a good formula and that was part of it um so and I like playing with that so it was, it was really only in researching you that I discovered web comics I did not know this was a thing did you know this was a thing not really like I've seen like little things on DeviantArt in the past and like kind of here and there but never like I didn't know it had a name. I didn't realise it was a full kind of culture and behind it. Do you, did you like come across web comics just on Facebook and stuff? Like do people, cause it depends a lot, a lot of time people have seen them cause they're just comics on the internet. Yeah. I think for me, like, like growing up, I used to use DeviantArt a lot and there was always little kind of like anime style comics on there and you just see them come up in feeds and stuff all the time. They're always funny. Like sometimes on, on Reddit and places like that, you see things like that. But yeah, I think like probably just, I think, probably seen them more in just like newspapers and stuff where you just got a few little panels and mm, mm. you can go from there I, I think i quite like that idea of just think it's a, just a simple little joke that just is just illustrated so nicely and concisely and it comes away comes across really well i think it's yeah i think the, the newspaper comics thing is definitely they're like uh, web comics tend to be i think are in the kind of legacy of newspaper comics yeah. in many ways but newspaper comics aren't funny and i just uh, like uh, overall just aren't very funny mm. so it's really interesting seeing web comics because I, I just think if anything if a newspaper comic was was fun was funny it would distract from it would feel out of place yeah, yeah, yeah. it would feel like it was kind of distracting from the other stuff around it, it they tend to be this kind of like understated thing whereas on the internet these so yeah you're right there is like a web comic culture and you it's very small like not many people make web comics but they are shared around a lot and they're like a, I, think, I do think they're, they're like a very like important part of internet culture and like sharing ideas and and stuff but yeah i think that uh because of that 
webcomics are like desperately trying to be as funny as possible and be as shared by as many people. So the quality became so yeah. high in terms of funniness, which I think if you... Uh, yeah, again, if you were to be that funny in a newspaper, it would seem a bit vulgar, a bit like, yeah. oh, okay, like, chill out. Whereas <laughs> in the internet, it's like, no, this has to be the maximum amount of funny and shocking or weird or uh, relevant or whatever. I guess they're almost like a hybrid of a, of a meme and the newspaper. Yeah. Just kind of smushed together. Yeah, because before, like, you know, we really had, like, an idea of, like, memes. Web comics were just these like very neat kind of things you could share that would be like an idea expressed or like a joke or just mm. a weird thing expressed nicely. And I think that's why, yeah, they became very popular, but you're right. Like, I think it's interesting now there's memes because, because like, and that kind of meme format and culture, because it's, it has its kind of, even though it's just a format, it has its own, in the way that f- uh, formats often do it, it's become like almost a genre, like the meme yeah. humor. And so now I think like web comics, and like, as with most um, internet artists, like who make stuff for the internet, you end up sort of borrowing that kind of that internet humor, which web comic name definitely came out of. Was if in that example, it would be like relatable humor because relatable stuff, like the idea of something being relatable, just wasn't a thing before internet I, web comics. I would say. Yeah, so they're always like relatable and like can be very pessimistic, but in a kind of knowing way, which, you know, memes, uh, there's like a whole culture of memes doing that. And now like wholesome memes became a thing. So now there's like lots of very wholesome uh, webcomics as well. Um, so yeah, it's definitely very much part of that kind of meme world. I think the exciting and interesting thing that I found about it is that it has its own set of rules, but you're you're like encouraged to break as many of those and like play around so you'll you'll do things where one of the characters is coming through another frame or there's I've seen that one that's like infinity mm. and like there's so it's a really interesting to to although you're so restricted but then to play within that space that must be quite fun especially when you come up with something that's completely kind of left field of what is the standard you mean and with by the Infinity one? You, do you mean the, I used to do a series called Doris McComics? Do you mean the ones from that? I think so. It's where one of the characters um, well, takes the ending mm-hmm. and punchline sooner, doesn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so that's from uh, the first series I did coming out of university because I studied English at Bristol, and then I was doing you know comics for like the student newspaper and stuff, um, and then just started putting them on the internet, and then that became. My so I think that's a really interesting point that you didn't you didn't study to be a cartoonist. No, no, I just it was interesting. I always I always wanted to be a cartoonist when I was a kid. Like I love the Beano. Yeah, um, was completely obsessed. Who was your favorite character? Um, favorite character. I loved um, uh, Calamity James Same. because uh, Calamity <laughs> James. Whoever the artist for Calamity James was was absolutely wild. Yeah. Like because every single panel had so much detail in it, and also it's a really like not great idea for a character because he's just tries to, I mean I guess it's no no he just tries to do things yeah. and then fails at it because of like just the most horrible bad luck and that's every episode and the fact episode. that he's an idiot he's also <laughs> an idiot yeah yeah um, so I, yeah I love uh, I love Curtis James but there's a lot yeah I a lot of uh, I also love Walter the softy yeah. as a character just like uh, um, I didn't realise I quite had like that uh, got in my mind but like a feminine boy which who then in the early 
Dennis the Menace comics. He's literally horrible because he's he likes school and is effeminate. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then, but then in the, I've read the recent Beano and they've made him into like a horrible person, which is really funny right. seeing seeing him as like a sort of malicious and kind of like mean person. But it was funny, really interesting. He was like just bullied for being uh, for liking um, tea parties and, <laughs> and, stuff, and flowers and things, uh, which is funny. It's yeah, it's, it just goes to show how much culture has changed. Yeah, yeah. Growing up my my kind of game that I would play with my granddad was that I I was Dennis the Menace and mm. he was Walter Softy and I'd always be like just sabotaging my granddad in any way that I could because like same as you like the Beano was such a kind of Did he know that this was happening? Yes he, okay. was, he was fully on board he, he'd, he'd literally write letters to me and sign them from Softy Walter amazing. he was yeah he was yeah, my granddad was amazing but um, that's, that's but yeah I yeah I loved the Beano as well and mm-hmm. uh, and yeah Ivy the Terrible was one of my mm-hmm. was one of my favourite Mm-hmm. So I, I really like the artist who, who um, drew that as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I went to I, there was an exhibition. I think it was at Southbank that mm-hmm. had um, that had a lot of the original drawings and stuff that was just beautiful. I spent like hours in there just going through it. And Yona was with me, and she was just like, because yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was if it's not part of your childhood, yeah, I guess yeah. it's not it's not that interesting. That's the thing. The Beano comics aren't actually as amazing as you remember. Like the art, the artists are really good and stuff, um, but they. It's a really it is like a, a full on children's comic, but um, yeah, I find, I find it interesting looking back. I wonder what it's like. I can't. I really can't imagine what it's like to look at them without because they're so seep, they're so like uh, ingrained in my mind yeah. that I can't see them without that kind of nostalgia and uh, that love of like reading them as a child. But yeah, I I absolutely love. Um, I, I'm. I'm yeah, I absolutely love the Beano. And when I was a uh, a kid, me and my friend like made our own Beano comic. We made our own full um, comic that, which is really hard as a kid because I didn't want to just make one like two page comic. I wanted to make a full comic book, yeah, um, with all different characters in it, in it and stuff. And my my friend lost interest like within about a day. <laughs> I just I just tried to like to complete it. So I have all the, these comics when I was about ten years old, and I was like. Uh, making all these different characters and they were always parodies of popular culture that were so niche I didn't realise that no one else probably knew what was going on do you remember any of the names of them and yeah stuff? one was um, so there was well the first one was um, uh, I can't remember their names Fred and Kevin Fred and Kevin and they were um, they were amoebas and they were the, they were the friendly amoeba they were, the, they were sorry they were the friendly bacteria that were in ju- pots of Yakult Ah, so the the idea was that they were they were like friendly bacteria who were just like hanging out, uh, and then I had Dippy the bus kangaroo who was like Skippy the bush kangaroo, which I'd never seen at the time, um, but that was the idea was that he was a kangaroo. I just I just learned to draw a kangaroo, so mm. I, I was like a kangaroo character, yeah. and he was an Australian tour guide who would always crash the bus full of, because <laughs> <laughs> I, also I loved drawing buses crashing at the time. Um, so a load of stuff like that, like all of them had like a strong concept delivered on. Uh, so I think it was, they, were, they were good. Um, but I was also, I also write them panel by panel. So I start off with the first panel, very well drawn, like I spent a lot of time doing it. And then I would get more and more hastily made and uh, I'd like lose the thread of the story and have to make it up at the end. Um, but yeah, I, I, so it was, I think from, from being like a young kid, I was obsessed with being a cartoonist, but then I, yeah, in terms of like not being not, I went to university to do English, and I think at that time I just wanted to be a writer because I loved mm-hmm. um, what type of English books? I did English literature, yeah. so um, uh, yeah, just doing like all historical literature and stuff, which I love because I loved having read 
I like that I have just I just have read like a lot of the like greatest works of English literature mm-hmm. because that's the kind of thing that people like you hear references to, but like I've like fully read like Paradise Lost or like you know most of Shakespeare's plays and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the um, I like that I have that because I would never have done that otherwise. Yeah. Um, so, but now I make like as you know I like reading the the highest works of literature and then like making the lowest which is like web comics like making the lowest form of art i love like yeah doing that well, that kind of reminds me of going to being in barcelona and going to the picasso museum mm-hmm. and because you see picasso's work and a lot of people would be like oh well i could draw that and don't really rate him too much and then so we went to this museum and the first few rooms were kind of his like younger work so when he was like 13 i think he won like a national competition for like mm-hmm. realistic oil painting and i was like walking through his rooms i was like oh my God, these paintings are insanely amazing, like so well painted. This guy's like 14, 15 or something at the time. And then it was off the back of that. So he'd almost like mastered the skill and then went into just creative doing what he wanted and going from there. I think that's a really nice way to do things, like master something. And then once you've got all the skills, then you can go off and... Into different stuff. Yeah. Mm. I think Picasso's a funny because he uh, started out and even throughout his life would just copy other people, what other people were doing. And then he was, mm-hmm. he, he definitely had an identity of his own, but it was very, I mean, it was like uh, very kind of 20th century postmodern store stuff because it was, that's very much like borrowing very, you know, in a very self-aware way from everyone else. So he didn't have an artistic identity until he got quite a way along into his career because yeah. he would just be like, I want to paint like El Greco now. And that's a blue period thing. Yeah. And he would be like, uh, I want to, uh, he's like, oh, cool, this cubism thing sounds mm. good, and then does that. But he's like, uh, oh, instead of um, a cubism was all like about like being worried about color because color was too distracting. He was he was just like, yeah, I'll do that, but fun, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what he's like famous for. So he's interesting. I find him really interesting because he just like borrowed from other people, but he like improved. He almost like improved on it or did his own thing with yeah. it, which is it's interesting because you always imagine artists to like carve out their completely unique thing, but once you I've only recently learned a bit about the history of art and you just realise that everyone was copying everyone. Or like, yeah. uh, if, you, if you know someone, someone's sort of style, it's very similar to lots of other people's styles, but also they've just, all they've done is like taken someone else's thing, worked out how to do that and then just pushed it a little bit further. Mm. Uh, and then that's what they're known for. That's what makes them good. So I think that's one thing I always thought that you had to do as an artist was like do completely your own thing. Mm. So I always felt like, when I was doing cartoons and like just copying what other people were doing, I was like, well, that's not what real art is or whatever. I thought I had to make up all the rules of what I was doing. And talking about coming back to Doris for comics again, which is my first webcomic series, that's what I was trying to do in that, I think was, and, and failing because it's impossible. Um, I was like, cool, webcomics are one thing. I'm going to like take all of those elements, I suppose, but I'm really going to try and just do a completely different and new thing with it. Uh, and didn't succeed in it. It became, I think, like a like a good webcomic, but without a sense of. It was kind of all over the place. I would like to have had like characters who you you know you could bond with and stuff. But yeah, I think uh, I learned a lot from getting into like the history of art and going, ah, oh, no one no one does that. No one creates their entire. I think everything's a learning curve, and like anyone who reads your comics, like that's years in the making. It's not like you've just one day thought boom, I'm going to do these three panel things, it's going to end up, oh no, and that'll just be me for the rest of my life. Like, it's that experimenting. It's like with with any kind of creative thing, I think trying different things, like you don't know what your favourite thing is until you've tried everything. Like, 
in terms of like getting a job, like whatever your hobbies could be, mm. like how like I could absolutely love archery and I've never done it. So but like that could be my absolute favourite thing. But until you try something, you don't know if it's could be your absolute passion. Mm. I think yeah. You're not gonna get a bullseye the first time out. And one thing I have been thinking about a lot is like, is this because I um, normally like love to do new stuff all the time but recently because I just have the things that I'm good at now and I'm uh, just keep doing them and I think I'm a bit afraid of like not being perceived as good at, at something uh, something new but like um, a part of what Webcom my name was as well is like it's about failure and about like uh, learning to fail and stuff and also I think I've been recently like exploring a lot of like queer culture and stuff and a lot of that because because in um, if you if you are queer you feel like you're failing at being in this like heteronormative mm-hmm. or like the m- most of society you're like failing at that and then you realize oh it, or if you change the structure that you live in as in you live like you're in the kind of like LGBT sort of space it means that you you're succeeding on those terms so I think that that's always interesting so I think I now that's my student going into everything is like failing spectacularly. And you know, being good on in that way. So, yeah, I think I do a lot of stuff now that isn't supposed. I'm not supposed to be like a professional at it. I the the thing that I'm succeeding at is like having a nice time. Exactly. Or, yeah. Um, it might be to do with like socialising as the aim or stuff like that. So I always wanted to be like the best at it. Fuck, that's amazing, Doris McComics. You're doing while while you're at uni. Um, yes, I was doing. I was making Doris McComics while I was at university. I was I basically, um, when I got to third year, How It Works is like the student newspaper. It was basically run by third year English students. So all of my friends, I, I tried to get in all the way through second year, I tried to get, get some comics and like cartoons and stuff into the student newspaper, but it was already so like crammed with third year English students and I was in second year. So, you know, I tried and tried and tried and finally, like, came to third year and then all my friends are there and, and then this one guy was like, oh, I've seen that you make good comics. I'll give you a double spread in the middle of the newspaper and you just do whatever you want with it. It took on way too much work because I had other stuff to do. Yeah. Um, but basically every uh, two weeks, I think it was, um, we just have to, like, fill out a double page spread, which is really cool because it meant that I, like, in a panic had to make something good and, like, that filled two pages, which is a lot. Did that pressure kind of push you forward to deliver, I guess? Yeah, definitely. I think I uh, am such a perfectionist that given an infinite amount of time, I'll just spend an infinite amount of time making yeah. anything. But how do you do that now, though? Because you 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 don't have a boss, essentially. The trick is making a webcomic with the same punchline every time. So sm- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally... Webcomic name is like uh, the. I honestly, I'm, I'm thrilled with the format because it's just solved a lot of the problems I that I find myself uh, having, which is I've I spent a long time making stuff, and I've created a thing where, where the distance of me starting working to finishing working is like the shortest it could possibly be because the punchline is already there. Yeah, the character's very simple. I know what it's going to look like. Uh, and it's also part of a series, so it doesn't matter if this one comic isn't that great. Because I, so I think a lot of my creative life is just like no, realizing what my prob, what my difficulties are, and what, yeah, realizing what my difficulties are, and trying to like work out a way to like fix them. Yeah. Uh, or create a, yeah a structure in which like those don't become bad, at least don't become bad things, or maybe become good things. Um, or going, what do I want to do now? Like, what, how do I want to improve my life? And just sort of 
making a thing that does that. So for a while I did a um, sort of, uh, I used to work for this company Webtoon, who were like a South Korean uh, webcomic app, um, who were really great. And um, uh, they asked me to do like a, a series. And one of the series I did for them was, um, I was like, I don't really go out very much because I'm a cartoonist and I work in, at the time I was working in my, in my bedroom. So I was like, I would wish I could go out more. So I just made a sort of, a travel, a comic format travel series where I would t- actually have to go and take photos. So I would just like, uh, it would just be of like the local park and stuff. Um, it wouldn't be anything exciting and that was kind of the point. Um, but it would just be an excuse to go out for a walk. So yeah, I think I'm always uh, looking to like improve things in that way. Yeah, that really surprised me looking through those ones because that was not what I expected from the format of a webcomic, um, mm. Evil Ducks coming out of the, the water and, and attacking and things like that, but using real photos to tell that story was there. Yeah, it was. I don't think it quite succeeded in the way that I wanted to, that series, but um, it definitely solved the problem of me not going out of the house. Yeah. Um, and it, I was trying to do something different with the webcomic format, and I think... I, I mean, I guess that. it has been done in traditional animation, uh, like Ren and Stimpy, for example, they will just cut to a photo of real life and, and they remind you that Ren and Stimpy are totally real because they live in your world and then you, you're transplanted and reminded by showing a, a real photo, which is quite interesting. I guess there's, there is something there to mm. be played with that not many people have experimented with too much yeah and I try to make a feature out of it as well like so if you have a I always thought like if it's a travel series and I was just document because I've done this before I did I've done a few comics before where I went somewhere and documented it I think documentary comics can feel a bit detached from the subject that they're describing um even more so than writing in many ways um because you're drawing yourself in that space and it's a bit weird so it's like well if I have photos it like proves I've been there Mm -hmm. and then it became the joke was that I can't afford twice a week to go somewhere exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have time because I'm too busy making comics. So I would just go somewhere really rubbish down the road for me and take a photo of something and make have to like either invent a story or you know um, tell the story that happened. Uh, yeah, which I find that's nice. It's nice. kind of like forcing creativity. It's almost mm. like having an image and just saying like caption this, and then you'll just see so many different people's responses. Even like memes, like they're the same image every time, but people just put a different spin on it in so many different ways that mm. yeah it makes it really interesting it was it's quite fun I suppose there's definitely a uh, sort of gradual process that I've realised has made me become like a professional feeling like a professional cartoonist which is that forced creativity thing I've never been very um, uh, sort of treating it too special like the creative process and stuff I just like drawing and writing so I just no, I'm never too sacred about it but I yeah, I think when I when I was able to sit down, make a thing, and then in a certain allotted amount of time, and then leave, that was definitely like an important thing that now I do all the time. And I realise like that that one skill is probably what sets people apart in terms of and because it's a necessary skill if you just want to be a professional creative person. Mm-hmm. But then again, like a lot of people make a good living and aren't able to do that as well as others. Like, and I'm, I think I'm definitely more in this sort of group of people is like creative people who always want to make something good rather than just to fill up a space even though again webcomic name is literally just about like filling the the two panels before the oh no punchline again i've tried to like correct that but um yeah i think that i definitely uh kind of struggle but also don't i 
um, I don't want to be someone who sits down and I have so much work to do that I just got to like bash out a lot of comics because mm-hmm. like that's why these newspaper comics we were talking about are so so like mediocre in many ways is because they're just filling up space and just yeah. doing have to have to do so much work to make a living. So I'd rather just like uh, make less stuff. Well, which does mean that I when it comes to um, working on like commercial stuff, I struggle a bit because I if I I, I want to make stuff I care about. At what point did you realise that you could make money doing this? Um, there was, unlike unlike most people, I had a definite moment, which was I was making webcomics for a while. My aim was always to, my aim was always to just start making webcomics until I made, until I could make a living doing it. Um, rather, and rather than, uh, I did get a part-time job at one point, but I was like, I'm going to have one year mm-hmm. where if possible, I don't have to get a part-time job because I just, I don't get help from like family or anything. Um, but I just saved up money at university and then worked a bit over the summer and was like, I'm just going to be very poor and not have, not doing anything nice. Um, which is actually fine because all my friends were still students and stuff. So we'd also like live the student life of like not doing much that was expensive and I just wanted to like do that so I did that for a while got a part-time job uh, which was actually really helpful for like structuring my life uh, and then at one point I was like oh, this has been going on for quite a while now and then got a, an email out of the blue from Webtoon that um, uh, comic app uh, and at the time they were just starting out their English language version of their app because they were they're huge in South Korea people make insane money making um, comics for them in South Korea um, and they were like, oh, we're starting this uh, English language version. Do you want to do some a series for us and we'll pay you money? And I was like, yeah, okay. You know, I get these things all the time. Like, And then they were like, oh, yeah, it's a salary, like a full salary. So uh, I think it was the first series I got was like, they paid me, I think about £1,200 a month or something, which is like, I was like, yes, yeah. 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 out of the blue, I was like, oh, okay, for just to do two comics a week for them and I was like oh cool I'm making it I have a salary now doing doing webcomics crazy so um, at this point um, where are you putting your content yeah how did they find you just on yeah on the internet on, uh, at the time it's changing all the time so right now everyone's all about Instagram Instagram's growing that will soon soon go away because uh, Instagram is soon going to try and monetize and they'll make creators pay they're going to make creators pay so that like their uh, content can reach more people, mm-hmm. which will start will start same, happening soon. Like what happened to Facebook, basically? Yeah, because they they're, they kind a, of killed Facebook pages, yeah. and so um, uh, they're trying not to do that with Instagram. And I think they've got a bit of a better plan in place, but you can just sort of see it happening. And every webcomic artist I know is like so on this. They're like because it's their living. You yeah. just go. You have to be like really aware of what social media is good for you at the time. How to like do that? Um, so it's, it's really it's really sad because. I didn't. I got into this to make comics, and now I'm like knowing about like you know so all social media rules, but also not, also only specifically for web comics. I don't know. I couldn't be a. I don't. I also don't really care about this, but I couldn't be like a consultant for a social media, you know, company where, like to help people to be good at social media because I don't understand how it really works. I just know what makes my stuff work. Um, anyway, right now, right now, everyone's on about Instagram, but at the time. I think when I started, it was the people had websites still, mm. which now I don't like. I was um, like now I don't have a website. I got rid of my website because I only need it. So I got my biggest audience at the time, which is two thousand and uh, this would have been two thousand um, 
15 or 14, 15, 2014. Tumblr was my biggest audience. That was where, if you're an artist on the internet, you were on Tumblr. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it became Facebook for a while. Twitter has always been like a constant. I've just like, like Twitter is basically the same as it always has been. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so people just see it on that. So I just like kind of use all of those. Uh, I'm quite lucky in that some people, for example, have got really big on Instagram, and it's and I'm just it's sad because I know that at some point that's going to break, mm-hmm. and their whole like creative world will just be like, is at the mercy of one company. Whereas I'm glad that I've got like popularity across different yeah. meet, different platforms. Do you think you'll ever get a website again? Because then at least you own that space. Now that I know what I'm doing more, my plan was always to still have a website partly because it's because people don't really have websites anymore and it'd be funny just to be like here's a space on the internet uh that's mine because that's kind of novel like people don't really have that anymore and just make a really mad website in the style of like my myspace page when i was a teenager um you know with like uh music that plays straight away and it has like a custom cursor and like flashing images like gif GIF flashing background (laughs) uh it has like a sort of um you know there's kind of interactive little things you have on the MySpace page. I I'm, I feel sad that uh, Facebook, it made sense at the time. They were like, cool, we want to make like formalize the internet, make it so that you can go on a thing and you know what to expect yeah. from your Facebook page. Uh, but now it means that all the internet is that and you've lost, like if they were to make a GeoCities now or like MySpace now where you could fully customize your thing, yeah. imagine what the kids could do with it with that well, social media. Well, it would like, be MySpace wild. taught me to use to, to code like yeah, HTML yeah. coding, like my MySpace page looked like a giant Pokedex that yeah. I'd like. Oh, really? Yeah, I completely overlaid it, got all of the codes for all the different buttons. So you go onto my page and you'd be like, "Where am I?" Because I feel like I've completely left MySpace. Um, definitely still be a song playing in there. Um, but yeah, I was just like, it has to look like a Pokedex, and I drew it all out, and like it looks awesome. I wish it, I wish I could go back and see what that looked like now. Yeah. Um, well, because they destroyed all of the MySpace. Pages, yeah. The um, uh, Tumblr was like that for a while. I I went on to, obviously, like Tumblr has kind of gone out of relevancy now. But um, uh, I hope there's a really cool like cyberpunk um, area of Tumblr where people were just like doing the maddest formats, like rather than being a feed that goes from like uh, rather than go, rather than it going. Uh, you're scrolling down. You'd scroll in so that you the the um, all oh, of the okay. pictures go to come towards you. Uh, and they had uh, yeah, I loved it. It was great. And the custom cursors for that area of Tumblr was incredible. And so all of them, this the the statement you were making was by having like the craziest theme you could possibly imagine, like you know spiraling pictures and stuff. And the whole point was to like mess up stuff. And that's gone away now. But um. Still love all yeah. that. Custom cursors that takes me back. I I've got. I've still got a custom cursor on Doris. On Doris McComics. I think if Amazing. you go on it, I could. I. I never see this. I realise because I have. A, I mainly use my um, tablet, my drawing tablet, to browse mm. the internet now. Um, so I don't. You don't see a cursor because it's touchscreen. Whereas I think if you go on a, like a desktop, whatever, onto Doris McComics, I've still got like a pterodactyl. Amazing. Uh, yeah. Um, I used to have a little gif of um, Kenny from South Park, and he would just, he'd kind of like look a bit shocked, and then all of a sudden little turkeys would kind of like come over, peck him to death, and then like leave, and it would just repeat that. And that was the cursor. Yeah. That is trippy. (laughs) And so unnecessary. Exactly. Yeah. Love that. See, that's the thing. I just love all this like uh, unnecessary stuff. It was so good. But I occasionally get emails from people going, hello, I know. 
this is a bit out of the blue, but could you take that custom cursor off? Because it's really annoying me. And they're like, no, because when do you ever see a custom cursor anymore? Yeah, and it's, and yeah it's, I love it. Yeah, so. everything's so curated now and, and just all, all, and all the social media platforms all kind of mimic each other and everything becomes this sort of, I, I guess I, I really like the way that you're that you use your Instagram of rather than posting the whole comic of having the swipe using the swipe along feature. It's kind of working to its structure, but kind of yeah, because you could just post them in one square, but you choose to to do the scroll along. Yeah, I um, struggled with that for a while because um, my format of I have to think about formats and stuff all the time yeah. because I have to make a format that works with lots of different. Um, platforms instagram is the one that's thrown me the most because my the three panel in a row thing works on twitter really well which is why i think I, my twitter following grew like hugely in about a year uh, and that, i think that's because webcomic name just fit the um format so well facebook was also good uh tumblr it was fine i think tumblr would have benefited from like being vertical because people like seeing big images yeah. rather than yeah um but the on instagram I didn't really use Instagram until like last year, and then they introduced that slide thing, which yeah, it just makes it just makes sense sense for me. And it's uh, but I've seen other comics that have become very popular, and they basically use like a square format. So normally it's like um, two by two um, panels, and I think like that structure works really really well for Instagram. And it also, if you have it on one image, it's more shareable. So I've started like adding an image to the end. Um, so I've basically, and also become a massive nerd about like different formats for things. But I just like again, someone starts doing that on Instagram, another webcomic artist, and I'll just go, oh, that that looks good, that would work yeah. for me. But I do like th- I do I like the idea of people scrolling through and then it they reach the oh no like themselves. Like I don't know, I like the act the activeness um, of it, even though it kind of goes against like what one of my core principles of webcomic name were, which is like that it should be a single image so it can be shared. Um, but it's tr- really tricky to like figure out how to make that work on Instagram. Yeah, and also the of how you use it for procrastination. I've heard you talk about like it's it's there for you to waste time with. Um, it, you've kind of got to be more active if you're, and then you come out of that image and then go to the next one and scroll along that one. It's whereas if it is just presented to you in a feed, then you can. I mean, like I binged on it. I think you did too. Didn't yeah, you? yeah. Just of just going through and just reading so many of these, all ending with oh no. Yeah, and I think that like it means that the oh no is still like feels a little bit surprising in that you've re- you've you don't know what you don't see it straight away and then you go oh yeah that was obviously the going to be the ending. But yeah, and it means it's like more of an active thing. But I do think that a lot of people go to my Instagram and go, ah, this is kind of a cute comic or cartoons, I suppose, not realizing that you can scroll through them and just thinking that I've made lots of random images of like yeah. people going, uh, I want to be famous. And then that's that's the cut. <laughs> okay. Or like, uh, I'm going to go to the shops. And then they're like, okay, well, it's weird. This has so many likes, but fine. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people talk about social media strategies did you have a strategy in place for instagram because i noticed that in the past six months your following has doubled on instagram so you've gone from two hundred thousand up to four over four hundred thousand. Mm. it has followers. gone quickly isn't it because i yeah i remember that i wasn't really using it before my strategy was just to, just to post to it uh because i wasn't posting to it before and a lot of the people who were on there were just like from other sites looking for my stuff um and so yeah we're just posting uh, more stuff and it was 
I've always said like I don't really have a strategy on social media apart from like I don't even post that regularly anymore. Like I just post like post good stuff that people want to yeah. share. The only thing that I suppose I have done engineered in a way is made a series that is shareable so it kind of spreads itself. Mm-hmm. And also the, the thing that I've got is that once you've seen one of my comics, you've seen them all, which is definitely a criticism that could be laid at it as well. Like you can, once you've seen one of them, you've seen them all, they're all the same. But also it means that once you've seen one of the comics on the internet, it means that if you see it again, you go, oh, it's that exact comic. Mm-hmm. And then you go, uh, I definitely do this. I'm like, oh, what? well, what's that? What's that from? That's and part of the joke. It. That's part of the exactly. job. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. And because I noticed in some of the, like, the bad book reviews that you got of like, they just didn't get it. I love so I've never had bad criticism before like uh, well no, uh, well the criticism I always get is comments just going like this is just the same joke every time <laughs> which is also the thing I was, I'm like guys why do you like this it's the same joke every time um and it was just interesting I knew I kind of knew this would happen like uh, the book coming out like I wasn't like I knew I wasn't going to be like hurt by um negative reviews because I this isn't trying supposed to be like a work of art. Like yeah. this is not supposed to be like it is what it is. And I'm and I and I it's good that it's a webcomic because I just know that it works and I know and I'm like proud of it. So bringing the book out just meant that people were reviewing it who hadn't seen it before, mm-hmm. which meant they had this like beautiful, like it's like a really weird world of like Amazon um book reviews. Um and people going, um, people using the joke is literally like I could have written it because they were they were saying that reading it itself was a no no, and I was like that's built into it that the whole the joke is that like the comics are bad you reading it it should be like a no no, uh, and it's like oh it's the same joke every time like uh, so they were just saying all of these things so um, yeah I found that really interesting because because the book coming out basically like crystallized all of those things all of the like what could be like this criticism. So it's nice doing like sort of like Instagram stories kind of thread of, uh, of them kind of to take ownership of it. Cause that's kind of what work my name is about is like taking ownership of mm. what would be a failure and being like, and being like, Oh, people giving it negative reviews is part of work my name. It's like, if anything, like if I get too many good reviews, then that's failing. But then that's no, oh, that's no, no, <laughs> sorts itself out. So it's fine. Um, you had, um, I've heard you say before that you had, you had this plan of, I'm going to make a webcomic and I'm going to make it really successful and I'm going to build a massive audience around it. I find it really interesting that you said that you have no like real social media strategy. You're not looking at times to post, hashtags, interacting with other accounts. You're just putting out good content that is relatable. How did you know that you were going to, how did you have this like blind confidence that, because it has happened but I just find it amazing that in the start you thought I'm going to make this really successful and loads of people really into it and it just happened. If I'm honest, like I didn't know that really, but I just like, that I keep saying to people, if you want to be, people are like, how, do, how can I be a good, like a big, like get a bigger following on the internet? Just make a webcomic. Like honestly, webcomics, like so many people want to read them and not so few people make them. Mm-hmm. It's just like the most beautiful like way to be an artist. I know, I know that like, like coming up with jokes like that and whatever is like there is this, you know a, like a skill there but I think that like it's a really really good um, kind of medium to work in and um, for that reason and because I, I just been making it for a while seen all of the comics that have become successful 
and I like knew all the people who made it. And we always talk about like what, uh, what works and what doesn't work. Um, I mean, and essentially basically like you often don't really know, like you could have one comic that becomes, you know, goes really big, goes completely viral. And then you might get loads of followers from that, but then also those followers might not really care about you very much. You don't get very, very much like engagement and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a huge thing. All you got to do is like keep making stuff that's good, but also, uh, and I suppose good on, you know, to define what good would be, would be like, um, uh, good on its own terms. So it'd be like funny, if you make a funny webcomic, like it has to be like funny. Is it, uh, you know, shocking maybe, or like a bit, a bit rude or is it, um, political or is it, you know, about like your experience, which other people might be interested in. Like, you know, there's lots of comics about, you know, LGBT stuff or about, um, uh, kind of like race issues and stuff that you know, we create like an audience on those kind of issues uh, yeah and there's also there's so much room for more things because there'll be a whole groups of people who just want to, who are just looking for webcomics to follow mm-hmm. um, but yeah I think I the, the, one of the reasons why I knew it'd be big as well is because relatable comics are just going through a huge thing and people just follow literally anything if they if they go yeah that's me and then they'll, they'll follow it mm-hmm. so I kind of I was kind of reading the zeitgeist a little bit and the reason why I did that so enthusiastically was because I had a realization that before I was trying, I, I like didn't really, I was like, I don't really care about being popular. Didn't I kind of enjoyed being the weird one. I kind of always wanted to be like respected by artists, but not really like mm-hmm. known. And then I realized like I was struggling for money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and, and there was a way of like keeping integrity and also doing this thing. And so like, that was me trying to engineer this, but also just going uh, rather than, hating on people who are doing this thing that's obviously popular going how can I do that in a way that I also think is like artistically like worthwhile uh and so doing that um which I and I would love to do that again with like another genre or um yeah and I, I love thinking of like new ideas for uh, I'd love to make another webcomic because I've, I think I've made the most generic webcomics web so it's like what what could I make th- what else could I make that's uh that connects with people maybe I this time I'll just try and get it to connect with like a very specific group of people yeah, I find that interesting. So, how did you get the courage to um, walk away from the salary and the guaranteed income? Well, I've always had a real, like, sort of enthusiastic kind of independence, which I think a lot of people I know, people I know who do, do web comics, like, I've noticed that a lot of them have like a real. Um, uh, the reason they got into that into web comics and being an artist on the internet is because they want to be an artist on their own terms but also you realise that you can be like people just come to, to read your stuff and there's no one between you and that, those people so I know that, that Webtoon struggled I know that they were struggling a bit because they expected I think this is more of the case in South Korea lots of artists they expected lots of artists to come to them uh, or they go to the artists and then like be completely fine living their entire creative lives through Webtoon whereas a lot of the artists who are like in the English speaking world were like yeah I'll have a salary and then I will, when I can leave, you know, I'll just leave. Because there's more of like an independence kind of element. You don't want to have like a big kind of um, business hanging over you. Even though Webtoon were the loveliest people and like give us no editorial whatsoever. I think it was just like knowing we could do whatever we wanted and stuff. And the only thing that, that was hanging over us was the fact that at some point your series might be dropped if it didn't do very well. Mm-hmm. But I think I kind of knew that that was happening. Like they asked me to do another series for them. And honestly, like, I think they're, they're great and they respect creators and I think they're really lovely. Um, but 
uh, yeah, I just want to be independent. And I, so that's why I work with as few companies as possible um, because like we're, we're in, like this is going to be increasingly less and less the case. We're in a beautiful time at the moment of the internet where the structure is there for you to make money. So like things like Patreon or people, like people are okay spending money on the, on the internet. Uh, people are okay spending money on like, like a Shopify independent store or something. So people are okay spending with spending money, but it haven't quite got to the point, which I think will end up in the future, which is where like big companies and, and, um, uh, there's, there's kind of like systems in place where you aren't independent. Like you always, you're always working for someone. So like, um, at the moment you kind of are an independent creator, but, uh, you can be on Instagram and feel very independent, whereas increasingly Instagram know that you're completely dependent on them for money. Mm-hmm. So then you will have to either pay money for that to 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 be a creator on there, um, or what ha- what's happened with YouTube, where YouTube pay you a salary, and because YouTube know that basically you have they have a mon- monopoly on video streaming yeah. sites, um, so you have a lot of people there who are just you know basically working for YouTube, uh, even if they're not being paid by them directly. So I think I've just always tried to be as independent as possible. So, and I think I, I've never, tr- I never, I never want to be like a business person. I never want to like, um, I always want to make comics and not run a business, but I've just recently, most of my time now is spent doing admin. Like mm. in the last couple of weeks, I've just been, I, I don't do as many comics as I used to because I, um, I think I didn't do a comic last week because I'm just a bit too busy with book stuff. You know, I had a book that came out like two weeks ago. Um, and doing things like this or um running a shop because i like both run a shop now and i'm hoping that i can do all of that and then this is all new to me as well i'm not very good at doing admin normally but recently even better at it yeah <laughs> and just doing like uh putting all the structures in place to make money and treating it a bit a bit like a bit more like a business just mm. because i want to be as independent as possible yeah so i, I want to make the most of the internet while you are able to make money ease in a more easy way on the internet without being uh, constrained by um, like a sort of bigger system that's like editing you or um, anything like that. How do you make money as a webcomic artist? Um, so, uh, like a lot of people who I think how it works on the internet, um, things I make are f- for free. Mm-hmm. So most of, if in terms of making money, my, I don't get any money for my webcomics, but um, I, so I make money, so I had like a book advance, for the book that came out and I'm like working on another book that's uh, hopefully coming out next year and uh, shop the shop has been like really uh, way way more like profitable than I thought like um, uh, I just didn't realise like how many people wanted to buy my stuff because I've always been kind of chill I'm like yeah you know like um, uh, that's a thing I'll just do that in the future or whatever like kind of put this, the time into it I'd rather make comics and then realise that I'd accidentally created a lot of demand um, by just being completely chill and so like that's <laughs> what I was doing uh, doing well and little bits of Bob's like um, uh, doing talks and things I have a Patreon uh, where people can like donate money and then is that it? I think that might be everything at the moment Oh, okay. I occasionally, very rarely do in a commission. Um, do you like, I'll do like a, something for like a company who will want like advertising or something, just some images, but I only ever do that if it's like good money and not much work. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's, it's my rule. Yeah. Because I, I want to just, I want to make the things I want to make and stuff. So yeah, basically it's like d- doing the main thing I do for free, mm-hmm. which is actually a really lovely attitude. Like there's something beautiful about your, 
my comics are still kind of separate from money in a way, which is like, uh, you know, you can't really be said for most art. If at some point you'll start doing it to make money, but really like that's still very separate to the money I, I make. It's more like, you know, um, things that are in, indirectly related, um, which is, yeah, which is nice. Uh, so yeah. Uh, so, so, and it also means it's more of a stable situation for me. It's built up over a lot of time, like over the last like three years or whatever, I've just built up like several streams of income. So if one of them kind of just goes away, I'm not yeah. like dying for that, dying for money. So. I you do a lot of conventions as well. Oh yes, that's my other one. Yes, conventions, uh, which I like tie in with shop stuff because it's still saying the same stuff. But um, yeah, conventions are, um, uh, yeah, I, I like a big bit of my income and could be bigger if I just like treated them uh if I was more organized with them but yeah just go to them and uh so there's, there's some that pay better than others like I go to London MCM uh because I live in London it's easy to get to London MCM is like a big like a big fat you know American style comic-con where people dress up and they want to see or they go there with money and they want to see like people who've starred in the Marvel movie and then while they pa- got on their way to the queue they go oh look I've got there's a little there's a comic that I might have seen on the internet and yeah. then they'll pay they'll have money to spend but then I go to a lot of comic fairs there's like El Caf in London and there's um, uh, Thought Bubble it's like a it's like a comic con that's like in between those two it's like a comic it's like a big comic fair uh, that's like more like a comic convention um but I go to those mainly for community because, like, a lot of people I know through comics, mm-hmm. I will talk to occasionally on the internet, and then I'll see them in real life. Um, and it's just a nice community. So, would you you'd approach a convention, um, and they they'd say yes or no, and then do you rent a table, and then you'd sell your merch? Yeah, it's like uh, doing a market or anything. So it's like I will. Uh, they have. Uh, I'm really bad at this. There's the so someone somewhere has made some, someone somewhere keeps track of this every year of like the application dates for every single convention and like every year I fail to find this document um, <laughs> because I always like just through have to like browse the internet vaguely and go oh like the, this is today the app the final application for this thing um, and then I have to like quickly uh, apply for it um, so yeah you you apply you like you know say who you are and you know what you do um and then they have an app you know they have a process of like selecting people and then they uh go here's what you can have you ask for like oh can i have a half a table or a full table or something and they go yep here's your full table and then it costs you like between i mean the cheapest one i've ever been to was cost me five pounds and the most expensive one i've been to is in the states and it was like three hundred dollars and they got way up they go up to like five hundred dollars for like a sort of six foot table in the states because people just give you a lot more money mm-hmm. so they are like a business investment whereas I like the ones that are like about 50 60 quid because it means you can just kind of go in a chilled way and just um you know make money or not and you know be a bit more chill you haven't ex- you haven't like uh had too much expense and it means that the community is really nice because most people don't make money at conventions and i'm, I'm lucky that yeah like i it, for me it's like a money-making thing most of the time also, now I get asked to do a lot of conventions, so I get um, and become a guest. So I'm a guest at uh, the Toronto in Toronto uh, in May, and that'll be uh, the Toronto Comic Art Fair, which is like a big, it's like one of the biggest like uh, artsy comic art fairs. So I guess there, which is like really cool, um, and that'll be like 
it's nice having a, having a book out now because there's a reason to have me as a guest. Yeah. So like my publisher as well can like help with book stuff. Because if I was to go to Toronto now, the logistics of like going, cool, time to go to Toronto to sell some books. And then I have to, so I have to get books there. If, the, if I've self-published my books, they're in my bedroom. How do I get, how do I get a hundred books to yeah. Toronto? That kind of thing. Yeah, it's really nice because now I have a publisher who can like help with things like that. So you talked about community before and like the people you've got around you. How did you grow that community? Did it just kind of find you? Did you go out and find people to connect with? Um, I, so in terms of like my, I say I have a community of people who like, like my stuff, which now is becoming extremely broad in terms of like an audience, but the, and there's, I have a few different kind of worlds that I'm in. Uh, I'm really lucky in that I straw, I accidentally, I didn't, there was, there was no intentional kind of astride the world of like, web comics and so like trashy web comics who can you know commercial stuff online and then like artsy kind of comic fair or like illustration people um both like my stuff and but i'm kind of in both those worlds now which i didn't expect especially making web comic name which is trying to be the most web comic-y web comic um, <laughs> and so uh yeah i have the but mainly what i'm in is like the i have my like online web comic community which is like international we chat online i'm like friends with people i'm friends with people i say i'm like quite good friends with people who i've never seen in real life mm. which i never would have expected from uh my life because i'm not i'm also not very good at messaging people and not very good at being online considering my life is there um so i like i'm friends with those people and occasionally we met up like we went to finland last year just had a little a little residency in finland yeah. or we go to conventions sometimes together so we went to one in Boston or Kansas City um, and sort of hang out there. Uh, the other world I'm in is like the UK comic scene, which is like different to the webcomic ones. Like some of the, some webcomic people go to those UK ones, uh, but mainly it's like there's like a specific UK comic scene and you see basically the same people at all of them. So where can people find you online? Um, I have a Instagram, that's webcomic underscore name. By the way, all of these are different, so I'm really bad at doing the internet. Sorry. Uh, so that's Instagram is webcomic underscore name. Uh, my Twitter is Doris McComics, all one word. Um, and you can find me on Facebook and Tumblr if you're still on Tumblr. Brilliant. Thanks so Thank much you. for coming in. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks for listening. We're trying to help a lot of people with this show, so we need your help to grow the community and spread our message. If you know someone who'd benefit from hearing what we talked about today, or they just need a little nudge in the right direction, pass this podcast on to them. If you want to hear more, then subscribe to us on iTunes. And if we helped you with anything, we'll really love you forever if you can leave us an iTunes review. It makes a huge difference. See ya. See ya.